Hey, on my mama, I'm on my hood, hood. I look fly, fly. I smell good, good. Touch my swag, swag. Wish you could, could. On my mama, mama, on my hood. Uh, welcome back to the podcast, folks. One man, one tree in hell. I'm your host, uh, Jared Waters. Welcome back. Good morning, good evening, good day, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to the podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Frontline Roofing and Restoration. Frontline Roofing and Restoration is a frontline is a roofing and restoration company that's based out in Ohio that can fix your roof. And if you want a free estimate on your roof, you can enter the promo code O M O T O H A H. Excuse me, O T. Oh, there we go. O M O T A H. One man, one tree, and a hill. And that's how you get a free inspection. If you would like to call them, their number is 513-375-7050. If you want to email them, it's frontline.roof at gmail.com. Or you can go to their website, www.frontlineroofingohio.com. That is who we're plugging. And today we're plugging a black creator. Is my friend. We plugged her before. We're going to plug her again because she just had her baby, Juju Couture. Ladies and gentlemen, Juju Couture. We're going to be plugging her YouTube channel, and it's going to be even probably better, not probably, it's going to be better now because she just had a baby. Her baby's name is, wow, it's crazy, she just had a baby girl. Her baby girl's name is Ayumi, or Ayumi Rain Johnson, 7 pounds, 8 ounces, and 19 inches long. What a long baby. Let me read her post about her baby. I love doing that. On, well, we're way late. Well, when did she post? Well, she just posted this, so we're not. Sometimes when people have babies, they post later. Here she goes. On September on let me read it her like her on September thirteenth two thousand and twenty at six forty nine a.m. God blessed our family to our beautiful baby girl Ayumi Ayumi Rain Johnson seven pound eight ounces eight ounces nineteen and a half inches long I am beyond overjoyed with her presence she is my own birthday gift to myself Virgo season this was by far by far excuse me being an easy pregnancy I went from surviving hypertension hyper what what disease is this? Hypermesogravic, hyper, let me read this. Let me go, hyper, who, let me, oh, I didn't know she survived this. Hypermesogravidarum, hyper, never heard of this. Let me Google this, hold on. Okay, I see what happened. She put all the words together. It's not one word. The word is uh, hypermesogravidarum, right? What it is is a severe type of nausea and vomiting during presenting, rarely morning. Rarely morning sickness is so severe that it's classified. Oh, also she was sick during her presence. Symptoms include dehydration, persistent vomiting. Oh, my goodness. She suffered through this. Okay. To the extreme heartburns, not to mention emotional roller coaster. Pregnancy took me through, but it was all worth it. I could not have done it without my loving husband, Rick Too Smooth. He was my rock through it all together, and it melts my heart. Mommy and Daddy loves you forever. Well, shout out to my girl, Jaleesa, who just had her baby girl. All right, folks. So we're promoting that. Promoting that. Uh, thank you. Welcome back to this podcast. A lot of emails. A lot of uh, emails about my friend Riley and a lot of emails about Miss Sarah B. Uh, we'll first go to Riley. Uh, Riley is a stand-up comedian, and she is a highly trained actor, BFA actor. And I thank her for being so open and honest. Sometimes we don't know in like the education system how we label children as uh, special needs, and she had a special need how she couldn't, you know, read or process or memorize lines and something. And like growing up with a speaker, it's good that she was in a school where people didn't tease her like that. But she always made it her business to to be funny, 
to distract people from what she was doing. But now, when I say she's one of the sweetest comedians I've met inside New York City, she's sweet. And Bubby, Bubby means, it's like a, a slang for like my love in like Hebrew or something. It's like for their grandfather. But that was her acceptance. I was very happy that she did this podcast. And uh, if you ever want to see her in New York City, she performs all over the city. You see her outside, Porsche, it's Riley Lassen. She'll be inside the description inside our previous episode. Miss B, a lot of you guys still hit me up about Miss B, Sarah B, about uh, her journey of being Orthodox Jewish. Yeah, Hasidic. She's Hasidic. I think she is Hasidic. Just email her. Just email her. I can't answer all the questions like, what does she feel like this? Uh, we talked for about three and a half hours. It was like three hours we talked. And I'll put out the full version. I'll put out the full version this week as well. Some people want to listen the whole way through, so I'll put out the full version. But like I said, we met in Israel, and uh, I, I, I'm still shocked at the fact, like, I'm, I'm surprised these brothers haven't shot their shot at her. She's such a marvelous person. She cooks, she cleans, she can feel the Gatorade cool up, she bench presses, and she's, like, very opinionated, which is good. And uh, I thank her for that. So this Tuesday we got a special guest coming in, so we'll let you guess that. Uh, other news, other news that you guys emailed me back, and I already know where you guys are going with this. Forgive me for not putting out the drill episodes. Uh, but it's been a long, busy week. Let's go through my week, and then we'll go. I'll go through the events that you talked about. Uh, emails about Breonna Taylor's, Taylor's family settles for twelve million dollars. Uh, I don't. I don't think this is good. Yeah, it's good. Her family gets money, but the money won't replace her life being taken by the police officers. And also, the city's paying for it. You're not you're not taking money from the police or taking money from the police pension. There's really no discipline of what happened. You can't walk into a house of your without your, your cameras on and think it's happening. So the city of Louisville will be paying twelve million dollars to the family. So we're penalizing the taxpayers for something that the police officers have did. So, you know, and still, there's the justice done for her at all. So that's that one. Uh, I saw a touching video, and I'm not gonna lie. As a real player from the Himalayas, I got I teared up watching Naomi Osaki. Osaka is a congratulations her. She just won the U.S. Open. She, I think she's 20. Let's see. She is. She's 22 years old. She's 22 years old, and she's won two Grand Slams already. She won two Grand Slams. She's won the, no, she's won four. Oh, my, she's won more. One, two, three, four. No, she's won three Grand Slams. She's won the Australian Open in 2019. She won the U.S. Open in 2018. And she won, she just won this year, 2020, and she won. And she just seems, I've never met her before, but she seems like a sweet person. This video that I watched of her meeting Serena Williams for the first time, and I think it has to be, amazing for Serena Williams and her sister and Venus, excuse me, to inspire so many young girls to play this sport, especially black and brown girls, where she goes, she cried meeting Serena Williams. She talks about Serena Williams, and this interviewer asked this question and said, what is it like for Serena Williams to be your peer? And she said the coldest thing. She goes, Serena Williams has won over 20 Grand Slams. She is not my peer. She is in a different bracket of its own. And I respect her legendary. And that was, like, amazing. Because the interviewer was trying to say, like, me and Serena are on the same level. She goes, we're not on the same level. And I was like, wow, that was very respectable. But there's this other this other video of just Naomi Osaka. You just hear about doing her sweet things. And she's talking to this girl named Coco. Coco is 
a another tennis player, and it's her first time. She's crying because she lost the match, and Naomi's pretty much telling her, "Let's do the post. Let's do the post interview together instead of you crying alone inside the shower." And it was just so. T- I'm just sitting. On, I'm sitting on the bus. I'm sitting on the bus, like, like tearing up. Like, dang, what the freak, man? I wish you know. I was just. It was just a touching moment, you know. And I'm gonna let you hear it. I mean, it was amazing. I mean, she did amazing, and I'm gonna learn a lot from this match. And she's been so sweet to me. So thank you for this. Thank you. <laughs> Lastly, Coco, you got doubles still. With McNally, every time you guys play, you win. How much are you looking forward to that tomorrow? Um, I'm super excited tomorrow, and, like, I love playing doubles, and I love playing with Katie, and I hope that we can do well in that. And once again, thank you, Naomi. I don't want people to think that I'm trying to take this moment away from her because she really deserves it, so thank you. Naomi. class act you're used to being the young one what's it like now being the veteran and mentoring someone like Coco um I mean I don't think I'm a mentor um I just want to say if they're still here um you guys raised an amazing player um I remember I used to see you guys I don't want to cry I remember I used to see you guys sorry this is an emotional night everybody training in the same place as us and for me like the fact that both of us made it um and we're both still working as hard as we can I think it's incredible and I think you guys are amazing I think Coco you're amazing you've been in that position you've broken that was amazing man just Two black women just supporting each other on the biggest platform was just gratifying to me. You know what I mean? I was like, dope. I was sitting on the bus like, man, this is touching. What a good person to take the moment. Like, you win this you win this, you win win this, this match, and you see someone, and they train together, and she's like, we both made it. So you should be proud that we're both on this stage together. And Coco's, I think they're both from Florida too, man. So that was just an amazing video that I saw about Naomi Osaka. And uh, she just won, so congratulations to that. Also, uh, Maya Moore. If you don't know who Maya Moore is, Maya Moore is an NBA basketball, WNBA basketball player, right? And she stopped playing basketball for two years. She sat out for two years, and she's been fighting for justice for this guy who was arrested. This guy was falsely accused for, uh, I think, raping a woman. Yeah, he uh, his name is Jonathan Irons, Jonathan Irons, right? And Maya Moore is considered one of the greatest WNBA players ever like she's the one who's sponsored by Jordan she stepped away from the game in 2020 and 2019 to focus on social issues starting by freeing Jonathan Irons now 40 year old Jonathan Irons was serving a 50 year prison stem sentence stemming from a 19 oh not a rape excuse me a 1998 burglary and assault conviction in Missouri despite no real conviction proving his guilt I was thinking of someone else Irons was only 16 years old at the time of conviction. Maya Moore says she met Irons when she was 18 through a prison ministry program. She grew close to him over the years while fighting for his freedom. When released, (laughs) this dude married her. Woo, buddy. 
So <laughs> he met her. They fell in love. What an amazing story. And she helped him get his freedom. So now they are married. They just recently got married, and now she's playing back. So this is what she said. We wanted to announce today that we're super excited to continue the work on what we're doing together as a married couple. We got married a couple months ago. We were excited just to continue the new chapter of my life. Maya Moore explained the growth of their relationship. Over the past 13 years, we've just developed a friendship and just entered into the huge battle to get him home. Just over time, it's pretty clear what the Lord has done inside our life and our chapter together. I said, well, he goes, I want to marry her, but at the same time protect her because in this relationship with a man in prison is extreme, feel painful and difficult. I didn't want her to feel trapped and I didn't want her to feel open the ability to see me at any time. If this is too much for you, please go find somebody else. I told her live your own life because being in prison is hard. Iron said eventually he proposed in a hotel room after hanging out with some close friends. It was just me and her in the room. I just got down on one knee. I looked at her and she's kind of knew what was going on. I said, will you marry me? She said, yes. As for the wedding reception, Maya Moore said we're having the COVID protocols, but we are married. Congrats. Wow. Boy, talk about a welcome home, boy. A welcome home. Fell in love. So, ladies and gentlemen, anything is possible. You could be in prison and meet a woman, or you can be in a prison and meet a man, and then it can happen. So, shout out to Maya Moore, and she's one of the greatest WNBA basketball players of all time. And she took two years out of her life to help her man get out of prison. That's talk about social justice, folks. Uh, uh, this is not a uh, not really big news. Uh, I, I'm going to read to the emails. I talked to my dog, Major Cooper. I talked about that. Congratulations, Major Cooper. Cam Cam Cooper is one of the biggest Laker fans I know in my life. Now, I met Cam Cooper. What is it? I'm, I'm 31. He's, he's 31. I think he might be 32. I met him. I was 14, 15. So I met him maybe seven, 16 years ago. 17 years ago, I met him when I was like 13, 17 years ago. And I remember we both lived on the west side, right? And the reason why we both lived on the west side, our, we lived on the west side. And I remember I was a Lakers fan, right? But my favorite player was Shaq, his favorite player. I think he's just Lakers completely. So I remember going to his house. I was like, man, Shaq, I'm going with the Heat now. No, no, that was 2003, 2004. No, 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 that's not when the Lakers. But I remember going to his house, and he just had all these Laker memorabilia. He told me, you want to see a real Laker fan? <laughs> dad, show him, Dad. Uh -huh, look at this, Dad, show him, Dad. They have Laker stuff. Everything's Laker. So the Clippers recently just lost, and Cam, he's supposed to be. Uh, he's in some country where he can't, you know, really talk like that. So he starts posting these, <laughs> he starts posting these, these statuses about Clipper fans, everything else. And I was like, leave it to Coop to take shots. So then we we uh we you know we exchanged. I was like, I gotta write you through WhatsApp because I know these 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 lines ain't safe. But shout out to my dog Cam Coop. Congratulations, the Lakers are inside the finals. I know he's excited. So shout out to my dog Cam Coop. Uh, other news, Jared, how do you feel about Kanye West? I told you, man. I told you, Kanye West. Yo, he's not lying. Like, I think he's, he, I think Kanye doesn't have right message, sometimes wrong voice. Now, if you haven't been aware, Kanye West has been doing a series of tweets and he's been talking about masters in publishing, right? And what he says is it's so accurate is that the music industry takes so much from artists and artists don't get anything. Like, these companies own their masters and own these things. I remember Ray Charles got that deal. Like, he had to own his masters and own his publishing and stuff like that. And so far, Kanye goes, I got a billion dollars, and if they won't sell me back my masters, what are they going to do someone who doesn't have a billion dollars? I was like, freak. And Jay-Z doesn't have his masters. I thought Jay-Z had his masters. Jay-Z has to wait 10 years before he gets the masters back to some of his songs. 
And I think you got to think about these were artists, Prince, Michael Jackson, what they were talking about, about like owning the masters to their publishing. Prince wrote Slave on His Face about how he couldn't control his music. And I talk about Spotify all the time about what they did to Prince. You know, if they, if they, I don't know if they killed Prince, but I know they had a, a played a part on it. And this is how, this is how I know when you, this is how, this is how you know that something happened. Now, Jay Z, Jigga Man, aka the greatest rapper in the world, he talks about it on the song called "Caught in the Eye," and it's one of my favorite songs off the album Four Four. Is what he says. I'm gonna play it right here. I'm not gonna play it because we don't want to get sued. I know we can't do it. All right, here we go. And Jay-Z's talking about Prince. He goes, I sat down with Prince eye to eye. He told me his wishes before he died. Now, Londa McMillan, he must be colorblind. That's the dude who's like over Prince's stuff because they only see green through them purple eyes. So saying when Prince left, they saw green because they start selling his publishings and start selling the masters to his stuff because Prince didn't want to do that. He wanted to keep his publishings. He goes, they only see green through them purple eyes. Them eyes high, them eyes high. My eyes wide shut to all the lies. These industry niggas, they been fishy, but ain't no biggie, no lazy eye. This guy had slave on his face. He's talking about Prince. You think he wanted his masters with his masters. You greedy bastard sold the tickets to walk through his house. I'm surprised you didn't Oscar off the caskets. Don't big bro me, don't big homie. I seen pure admiration become rivals. I've been Paris I've been to Paris at least two times. I seen an Eiffel. I seen the Eiffel. I seen an Eiffel. That's my favorite bar. But Jay-Z was pretty much saying, like, I talked to Prince before he died, and he didn't want his masters over there. And Spotify, what Kanye West said, he says, uh, Universal signed a deal with Spotify where they get to control, they get to get people's masters and distribute their music anywhere, and the artists don't get to pay, get paid. So I think Kanye West, he said some real stuff. I think he's playing with dangerous territory, because Michael Jackson talked about that. You start going against these big companies, you know, but I think since Kanye's prayed up, he'll be fine. One thing I don't like about what happens is when Kanye West says something, his wife will make a statement because he's off his medication. Like, hey, what the freak does that have to do with him talking about music right now? And Hit Boy, Hit Boy, if you don't know Hit Boy, he produced the song uh, Click. He produced a lot of Beyonce songs. He's a producer. He signed a deal when he was 17. And he said he's 33 years old and has over 10 Grammys and still doesn't get it published to any of his songs and doesn't get music off his songs. So yeah, I, yeah, I rock with Kanye. When Kanye's saying some good stuff, I, I can only agree with Kanye West is saying. Uh, what else did we hit? Okay, cool, 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 cool. Congratulations, ladies and gentlemen, to Eddie Mother Effin Murphy. Eddie Murphy just won his first Emmy. Let's play a little clip of Eddie Murphy. It's funny seeing Eddie. <laughs> it's funny seeing Eddie on online because he's so old. Here we go. For giving me an Emmy, I don't have an Emmy. This is uh, 40 years since I started Saturday Night Live. This is my first Emmy, so thank you so much. And I want to thank Lauren Michaels for, for putting this whole thing together and making this happen. And I want to thank the, the cast and the writers and the crew at SNL. This was a very, very special thing for me to come back and, and to have the show turn out the way it did. Uh, I'm, I've, I'm still floating from it. And thank you to everybody for... Uh, giving me an Emmy. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy won his first Emmy today. Or last night. Last night, which is Saturday. He won his first Emmy, and that's dope, man. Eddie Murphy's one of my favorite comedians. Eddie Murphy, Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock. Uh, those are my, my, my guys, Red Fox and Richard Pryor. Those are like my guys that inspired me to do stand-up. 
uh, I have so many other ones, but those are like the ones like Chris Rock. He's out promoting, and it's so dope reading articles and stuff. But it's dope, man. I remember that moment, that night, that night. Ed, I'm not gonna say Eddie Murphy won the Emmy because he met me, but that night, that's when I met Eddie Murphy, man. It was one of the greatest stories, dapping up Eddie Murphy. So that's that's amazing. Eddie Murphy won an Emmy. Dave Chappelle won an Emmy. Freak. Now, Dave Chappelle had a more of a speech. If you don't know, Dave Chappelle has been doing 50 nights in Ohio. He's turned it into a camp where every night some of my friends have went, and they've been telling me stories about Dave Chappelle. I can't tell the stories because they're jokes about that Dave Chappelle's doing, how he's making this. He's doing. I, I, I can't tell about I can't. I can't, you know, I have to wait till he expresses, but they've been telling me what Dave Chappelle's working on, and that's just freaking amazing. And uh, this is his speech. Let's We're going to play Dave Chappelle's speech about what he said about winning an Emmy. And I agree with Dave, what, what, David, what David Chappelle is talking about. So this is Dave Chappelle after he won his Emmy, ladies and gentlemen. Here we go. <laughs> I would like to thank my editor who was nominated. Unfortunately, he did not win, but I couldn't have been more honored to work with Jeff Yaron. <laughs> Stan Lathan has been directing television since 1968. Any show that I watched when I was growing up, he directed it from Sesame Street to Sanford and Son, to Good Times, to Everything Black, and finally, you motherfuckers finally gave him an Emmy tonight. He deserves so much more, but I'm glad you came around. Dave Chappelle, folks. Iconic, man. I believe that Dave Chappelle believes that he's the greatest comic on the planet. And there's nothing wrong feeling that way, but 
you can see it in him now where he knows that he's the greatest. I personally believe I've I you know my personal opinion is I love Chris Rock and I think Chris Rock and him battle it and go they're like they're like Magneto and Professor X. I think Chris Rock is more like Professor X a little bit and Dave Chappelle's like more Magneto. He does his own thing and has his own theories. But Chris Rock when he gets in his element, he's he's the greatest of all time as well. Those are my my two I debate. But that was the greatest. Well, that was one of the best specials, Sticks and Stones. That was a classic special. I love that special. I watched that time to time. The Juicy Smoulet. I feel like when a bigger comic does a bit about like Jesse Smoulet, it's over. Like let him have it, you know. But congratulations to Dave Chappelle. Uh, I met Dave Chappelle before as well. I wish, I wish, if I would have known his wife was Filipino, I definitely could have gotten his wife's ear, because I know a little Tagalog, and no, a lot of people don't know Tagalog, and I would have spoken. But uh, yeah. She's on Instagram. She ain't added me yet, but I tried. <laughs> but congratulations to the great Dave Chappelle, man. It's so motivating seeing people in your genre and art form just freaking just freaking just achieve greatness, man. Shout out to Eddie Murphy. Shout out to that. Uh, shout out to my grandkids. <clears throat> I know uh, you guys are out there. I know you guys aren't here yet. And my lady tells me all the time, like, you need to stop thinking about grandkids and think, I was, yeah, but I'm thinking about the future. You know, I'm thinking about my legacy. I want my grandkids to be proud of me, you know, listen to this, listen to these podcasts and figure out what was my, what was my mind like in 2020, what was he going through, what was his week like. And this is for you kids. These are for, uh, this is for Jared the 18th. Well, hopefully my son names this freak if he doesn't. All right. All right, here we go. All right, let's, uh, let's. Let's make music together, dancing in sweet harmony. Let's make music together. Let's talk about my week. So I did a lot of comedy, a lot of comedy shows this week, full week of comedy. So what happened was Saturday, last Sunday when I left, I dropped the episode, but Sunday I did this rooftop show with these young comics. This comic's name is, now this is how I met him. Super, super young comic. We are... Um, we are from, we're not from the same town, but we are from the same town. His name is Zach. His name is Zach, and uh, it's at his house. I don't know who he is, but I meet this girl. K-Hart, K-Hart tells me, Jared, let's go to this comedy show. I was like, sure, I'll go. I'm on the show. I think I can get you on. I don't know him, but he's a young comic. I was like, all right, cool. I can meet him, and I'm in his house, so I'm trying to be. I was like, hey, how are you? My name's Jared. Good. Okay. We've never met each other. And I goes, yeah. I was like, where are you from? He goes, I'm from Florida. I says, you stop right there. You freaking stop right there and give me a hug right now. I'm from Florida. I'm from Tampa, Florida. Then I was like, what comics do you know? He started naming all these comedians. I was like, yeah, Cam, Jonas, those are the boys I started with. He goes, really? I said, yeah, those are my guys, man. And uh, we're on the rooftop, everything else, and I was so motivated. I don't know if I told the story, but I was so motivated watching these comedians because it reminded me so much of me when I was there. Uh, th these comics, they were just character comics who they only are characters the whole time this guy pretended to be a foreskin for five minutes and the next comic who comes up is a hunter who's hunting the foreskin and there are teams they go back to back and i i book them on my show and i say like, look man i want you guys to do it and i tell zach yo i told other people let's check you out man i know what it's like starting out you don't know that you know i was like f it let me know sometimes you want to reach out to bigger comics and stuff like that but nah man Get get your work with your people in your class. Those are the people that motivate you, the people around you. So do that on Sunday, Monday. 
I do this show called Camp Outs Camp Comedy. Now, Camp Comedy is uh, it's like this place where we do it underground, and we did it again because I guess it's supposed to rain, so we do it again as an opera singer. But I tell the producer, right? One of the producers is my boy, and the other producer is a brown comic. And I'm just like, yo, man, you know, you never have any black dudes on your show. No people of color. You only have black people hosting the show. He goes, what? I was like, yeah. What's up with that, man? And I was like, you know what? I know all of your shows are like that. So what I've been doing now, I've been trolling every comic that I see on the show. And I put a golf emoji underneath their show if they have only one person of color. Because this is like the PGA Tour. Only Tiger Woods is there. I was like, nah, you can't just get me to get on your show. Nah, I need more people. I, you bring some more diverse people. There's so many marvelous comedians out here. Like some, like a, the, like the the problem in New York where a lot of comics keep saying like the shows aren't diverse or whatever, but all the showrunners are white women. All the bookers in the shows, like you gotta talk to them. Don't tell me the problem is comedians because every comedian is ready, you know. So I tell him that, and he just looks at me. So then I go to this other club, and I notice the same thing. And I was like, look at this funny comedians out here, out here, out here. And he goes, Jared, I think you're hilarious. I said, yeah, just don't book me. Book all these beautiful, marvelous, black and brown and Asian comics that you see up here, and just don't do an all-Asian show or all-black or all this. Like, just make make the show diverse, man. Hire a diverse producer to do that. I was like, it's not just cool for me to get on and do stand-up. I need other people in my community to feel like, yo, you're a part of this. So that was Monday. Do the show there. Okay, show. Tuesday, which is a very funny show. Tuesday, I do this show called Take It Outside Comedy. Now, I'm not booked on the show, but when I'm not booked on the show, I go to shows just in case there's some meat left on the bone. I know I can get it, right? Two producers, Santiago, uh, Daniel, good guys. Um, I do on the show, but what happens is this guy named Seton Smith. Uh, freak. F it. I was just saying this guy named Seton. Seton is a stand-up comic. He's been doing it 17 years, writes for different shows. <laughs> so he's doing his set, right? He's doing his show about about the just I'm not gonna say a set, but he's doing the show. And this show is in the park and we're still in the hood in Fort Greene. Fort Greene is like, you know, it's, rappers talk about that in Fort Greene. It's still a park in Brooklyn and there's still some real people down there that could, you know, say something. So this black dude's walking by and he looks at him and goes during a set. Hey man, you don't gotta talk like that. Be yourself. Use your real voice. You don't gotta talk white. Be be black. And uh and it pisses him off. He goes, What'd you say to me? He goes, Be yourself, man. You don't gotta you don't gotta you don't gotta shuck it up for these guys. And he goes, What do you say to me? You need to be yourself. I'm a man. I've traveled the world. You need to go somewhere and experience something. And he goes, Man, I just went to Harlem. I know around the world. So they're going back and forth, right? Back and forth. And then he starts singing and like trying to distract him. And then the I was like, and so I'm talking to uh, Napoleon. And I was like, only got to do is start clapping, and people start clapping, and then he'll move on. So I start clapping, and then all the crowd starts clapping, and then it's over. And then Seton keeps going back and forth with the dude, and the dude goes, I'll kill everybody in this place. <laughs> then the whole crowd gets quiet because a lot of you know people, people of not color there, so they're quiet. So then the guys on the show, now this is the thing about the pandemic, why it's so great is that comedians now that you probably – uh, never worked before are working with each other. So it's probably whenever you see a show where Seton Smith and Kareem Green on the show, but it should be there. Kareem Green is an urban legend, right? He's done show over 21 years, comedy over 21 years, and he can de-escalate any situation. He's been in movies, and you definitely should follow him. But he has never had a manager in his life. 
So I'm talking to the producer of the show, and I was like, that's Kareem Green, man. He goes, why isn't he famous? I said, because he's black. What do you mean? No one's helped him. Like, what do you think? He's like, he can, he, Kareem gets on the stage, and he, Kareem tries to break up the fight. So he goes over there, and people don't know him yet. And I was like, that's Kareem Green that stopped the fight. He walks up, he tells him, hey, brother, I understand. I'm all here to support comedy. Kareem's like this. I'm all here to support comedy. You know, I'm all, I'm here to support comedy. You know what I mean? So I'm just, I'm just trying to break it up. So then Kareem gets on stage, and he goes, he goes, man, y'all thought I was here for him. No, I, I tried to break up the fight. And then y'all tried to jump in, and y'all made it worse. And then Santiago has a man, has a ponytail. He goes, listen, man bun, he walked up to me, asked me to stop the fight. I'm like, I don't even work here. How you going to have me to stop the fight? I'm just here, I'm just here to tell jokes. So they try to like Kareem at 10 minutes. I'm like, man, this dude's a legend. You got to let him do 20 minutes. He goes, you try to give me the light to wrap it up, but you should have gave him the light when he was disrupting your show. So that happens. So the show is pretty much awkward, right? And then Natalie O'Cor goes up, and next, you know, they go, Jerry, we just need a pop on the show. I say, yo, you got the right person. I get on that show, do my set, really good set. And I, I I try to do really well because Kareem was there and Kareem is like my he's like my OG something I some guys I I look up to him, and I try to do really well so he could see like all right I'm thriving, and he pulls me to the side and we're talking and he said something real stuff, he goes, you know I he tells me his OG is Donnell Rollins that's Ashley Larry from the Chappelle Show, and he goes uh, that's the guy you know who mentored me, and he goes even though if a person ain't funny, I'm gonna respect him as a man. Now, you might not be funny to me, and you might not be funny but to the audience, but one day you might be funny. And if you remember me being an a-hole to you, then you're probably going to be mad at me. He goes, I don't know, this guy might not be funny, but this guy might be a great writer. This guy might be a great director. You know, the funny might be different types of funny, but I'm still going to respect you as a man. I'm not going to disrespect anybody just because they might not have a good night tonight. I was like, wow, that's a, I said, that's an amazing... I I do that too. Like I respect everyone, but that's good. Like knowing him, you know, like I want to do good in front of him because you know I you know I followed him one time, and following him is is not is not easy, you know. But I learned things as a comedian following a com- like a destroyer like that. So we did this show at the Shrine, and he's doing forty minutes and just bang 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 killing. And I got to go next, and I'm like trying to get my set ready. I'm looking around. This dude named Jamal walks up to me. And he's like, yo, you got this, Jared. I'm like, man, I don't need no pump. I don't need you to pump me up, brother. I'm good. And I noticed what I did was, I was like, what I need to do is acknowledge how he killed and say, keep it going for Kareem Green. So I was like, keep it going for Kareem Green, legendary. They start clapping. Hilarious, right? I was like, all right, now let's start. So I bring the crowd back down to me, and then I start going. So it's not about, you know, so now I know if I can follow Kareem Green, shoot, I'm not scared to follow anybody because, golly, he blew the lid off that thing. I've seen plenty of comics go after Kareem, and not acknowledge what he just did, and the crowd's just like, no, we're not done yet, laughing at him. So I've learned a lot from him. And definitely, man, I'm going to get him on the podcast because his story is amazing as well. So that was Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, I want to highlight a stand-up comedian. Like uh, I, was, I hit a highlight. I didn't do a Woman Crush Wednesday, but my friend, her name is J.J. Matisse. And J.J. Matisse is probably, I, I think she's one of the greatest stand-up comedians that, that walk that she she's that that I love in New York City that hasn't got that break yet. But every time I see her, she's always, always doing well. And this is what I said. I'll read it. I said I know Woman Crush Wednesday to the streets, but I would never Woman Crush Wednesday anyone that I haven't put the Infinity Stone on. 
However, this is one of my favorite comedians in the city. If you don't know already, it's J.J. Matisse. J.J. Matisse, she's been on Netflix. You can go to a website for the rest of her resume. If you, It doesn't matter if there's four people in the audience or 400 people. J.J. brings the same energy and puts on a show. Every, oh, sorry. Every time, every time I'm on a show with her, I know the audience is in for a treat. Her story is amazing. And the crazy part about her story is that we don't even know the half of it. And let me tell you something. She, like, wrote me. She goes, I felt like I got an Emmy. And I was like, look, J.J., I just want people to understand that you are one of the top comics in the city and people should know who you are. Like, she did our show, and I was, and she just destroyed it. She goes, when do you want to light me? I said, get off when you feel like it. <laughs> get off when you feel like it. So then Wednesday. Wednesday's my show, Training Day Comedy. And honestly, man, the show's getting better. I want to thank everybody for coming out to the show. And we do the show at 7 o'clock. And last night, last Wednesday, it was packed out. We had, like, probably 30-something people there. And Matthew, he's getting better. He's not a platypus anymore. And I understand him. He was young. Not young, but the first show, his parents were there, so he's probably nervous. But now he's got his mojo. Like, even if I fumble a line, he picks up a line. We have good energy. We banter back and forth. And we had just a very diverse lineup. We had Divya, and we had my girl Zuby. She just made her debut. And... We try to make our shows diverse, people of color and everything else. And other people are Kate Robard. Robar, she's from she's from Texas, so she got up there doing her Texas, Texas thing. And the shows have just been great. So now what happened in New York City is it's gotten colder, so these rooftop shows are freezing now. So people are bringing blankets and everything else. So we do the show every Wednesday at, at 7 o'clock. So come, Astoria Park is by the pools. So that show was amazing. My friend Ibrahim Khalif, he closed it out. Uh, so that was good. So then we meet this dude. Okay, that was Wednesday, Trading Day Comedy. And then Thursday, Thursday my show got canceled. Those freaking idiots. They canceled the show, so I went to uh, this other comedian show. And I'm talking to this comic, and he's trying to sell me an unauthentic story of who he is. And I asked him, I was like, do you know who you are as a man? And he goes, I'm trying to figure that out. I said, so before you figure that out, you can't tell people you're something if you don't know who you are and you're not confirming that. I was like, I've lived a life for three people, and the reason why I know who Jared Waters is because I had to learn to understand and love Jared Waters and understand that at the time I was insecure, at the time there were certain things that I did to people, I was mean to certain people, and I had to embrace that. And once I embraced that, I became who I am. Right? So he's trying to tell us, like, you can't, I was like, don't tell me you're in a relationship, but your your stand-up act is completely not about being in a relationship. It's about being an F-boy, right? So Friday, that was Thursday, I, you know, I was trying to get on a show, couldn't get on. So I was like, oh, it's just, it just takes a lot out of me. So I just got on a bike and started riding around. And then Friday, we do a show, Steven's show, which is cool, which is cool. It's in a backyard. It's like in some psychedelic place. And my boy Stefan, he goes up. He does well. And I do about 17. I thought I was closing out the show, so I was trying to just do longer. I've been working on, like, longer bits and stuff like that, stuff I really want to talk about. And uh, he just brings up a kid that's never done stand-up before to follow me. And I just feel bad for him because it's just like his kid doesn't know what he's doing. So he goes up and bomb, and then we rush over to the tiny cupboard. That's the place that don't really have any people of color on the show. But, you know, maybe they're getting better. But now it was. My boy Ibrahim's hosting, and then my guy James Goff is there. And James Goff, I read him to him in Long Island. He lost over 100 pounds. Now he's all chiseled and, like, 
skinny, like skinny build, like a skinny, like what's he shaped like Wiz Khalifa now? So we do that, and it's just good breaking bread with comics, but it was just freezing up there. So if you're on a rooftop and it's 50 degrees, on the roof it's going to feel like 40 degrees. And the wind's blowing and Stefan loses his hat. He loses his hat. His hat flies off. Uh, then we do that. And then Saturday, which was yesterday, Saturday I, I did this show, which was first the show I did, I went to the show called Make It Clap. Make It Clap is my friend. Uh, Danny show and Tiana show. They do a very dope show in uh, Ivern Park, but I went there early. See one of my friends, Jessica Clayton. She's a stand-up comedian. She's a part of the podcast, Tres Beches. And uh, she gets up, she kills, and me and these comics, we're talking, you know, breaking bread. So I go to my dude, Kay Smith's show. I'm on that show. And this young girl, she's young. She's 25 years old. It's her first time doing stand-up. And what I respect about her, she did like three minutes. You know, she didn't stay that long. She took herself off. And I slide into her DMs because I know it's nerve-wracking. Your family's there and stuff like that, and you want to do good in front of your family. And I had to go after her, and I, you know, I just told her, you know, congratulations. I know it's hard, you know, being a stand-up comedian. So I wrote on her DMs, and I said this. I said, congrats, madam, on making your comedy debut. I pray and wish you nothing but the best on this journey of comedy. And I told her, like, if you ever want to go up and, you know, do open mics, I can suggest open mics for you. And that's the only way to get better on stage. And uh, she does. Stage presence is, is there. You know, she's on IG and stuff like that. But I know it was hard. So I went on stage. And Kay Smith is uh, one of the homies that I used to know when I came to Harlem. When I first moved out here. We do all the shows. He does. He, produce, he produces his own shows. So he doesn't really do the mainstream, but he can do the mainstream. You know? So I'm going to get him on my show. And it was just dope. He was like, dang, I ain't seen you in a while, man. I was like, yeah, man. Ain't nothing but fire now, baby. Fire. <laughs> Does a show, pays me, breaks me off some bread, which is cool. Then I rush over to the Bronx. I'm going from Brooklyn to the Bronx. So that's an hour and... That's almost 90 minutes being on a train, right? 90 minutes being on a train. I don't doze off. I'm tired as F, but I go over there. And by that go, their show's already starting. My guy, Trav, Travis, uh, Travis Harris, one of my good friends, and Janae Boston, they're doing a show together in the park. They got a microphone set up, and they're using a st the street light to set it up. So uh, my friend Colleen's on the show, Stefan's on the show, Travis and Chris Grant, another dope comic, and Kate, Kate Bros, yeah, Kate, Bro uh, Kate, Kate Robards is on the show again. And they go, all right, Jared's going to close the show out. And Janae says the funniest thing. She goes, if you don't like Jared, he'll do 60 minutes. you got to light him because Jared will do 60 minutes. I did 30. I did. Th I know I was supposed to do 15, but I did 30. I know that's disrespectful, but we're in a park, and everybody's having a good time. And I was about to do more, but I was like, but y'all didn't pay for Y'all didn't pay for 30 minutes, you know? Oh, sorry. That was my, uh, uh, my headphones. I have brand new headphones. And these things are slippery, and they're, like, tickling my ears. So that was Saturday. That was Saturday, and the reason why I say that is because Saturday night, me and a couple of my friends, we got in a big argument, right? Big, ginormous argument. And the reason why I say this is because as black men, you have to check on your mental health, right? You have to be mentally prepared, and you can't hold stuff in because you're going to explode. Now, my friend of like 10, 10 years, you know, we started stand-up together, and my other friend, he lives in L.A., the other one lives in Tampa, and we call each other, we're all talking, and, you know, he's talking about his theories or whatever, and I like, yeah, I was like, yo, that's a, yo, you've been wrong several times, and he just black, he just goes off on me, right? And he goes, first of all, Jerry, you tried my mother effing life, 
yada, 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 yeah, I don't, you know, mother effer, blah, 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 whoop de whoop de whoop you saying all these slick mother effing comments, and I got to be like, yo, first of all, my N-word, like, you got to calm the F down and realize who the F you talking to. Like, I don't give an F about any of this stuff. Like, who the freak are you talking to like that? And he's like, yo, I'm talking to you. I was like, yo, I'm talking to you. Like, yo, don't ever disrespect me. You don't disrespect me. I was like, look, you getting mad about something that's not even that serious, God. I was like, we're talking about, he's like, you're talking about sports. We're talking about basketball. I was like, I'm talking about a sport. He's making his point. I'm making my point. I said, the point is that you are saying something that you are trying to lock into something that you really want to feel about me. So if you want to say something about me, don't use a sport to say what you really want to say about me. What do you got to say? If you feel like I say slick comics, I say slick comics. So say that and address what you've really been saying. Then he addresses like, yo, I've been calling you. You ain't been answering. Blah, 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 blah. I said, like, dude, I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm doing this. And he goes, I'm going through something. I was like, if you're going through something, you need to say that. Don't. Talk about other stuff instead of saying what you're really feeling. I don't know. I can't read your mind and tell me what you're really feeling. So we're going at it, blah, blah, blah. And we're on a three-way conversation. So my boys jump in and my other boys jump in. It's like, yo, we feel this way. It's like, yo, we love you, man. But as a man, you cannot blow up on people because you've bottled things in that you have not expressed. And then we had that moment. We had that moment where it was like more of an intervention. I was like, yo, we got to do this. As black men, you cannot have these these things because imagine you blowing up on someone else who's not me like me as a person knowing my mental state know everything else i know you're arguing with me but i know you're really trying to say something else that you're not saying i said so when someone asks me why are me you not cool again i'm going to say because of basketball that sounds stupid tell me exactly why you're upset with me you're upset with me because i haven't called you that's i can't take that but i we're in a group message and i write you back all the time just say, yo, I'm, I need a friend right now, and I feel like you're not there. That's what you got to say to me, right? Because I know I'm the type of friend like that, you know? I feel bad. And to anyone that's hitting me up, I apologize. If I have not hit you up, I'm, I'm freaking busy, you know? But I take times and I check in on all my friends. And if you feel like I'm not checking in on you, you got to call me out on that stuff, right? So we talk. We say I love you and stuff like that. But, you know, I think it's good for everyone to argue and Assess your points and everything else. Like, I started out with you, man. I got nothing but love for all of y'all. But, yeah, it was. <laughs> the crazy thing is it was 4 o'clock in the morning when we were arguing. So imagine, like, whoever my neighbors was like, yeah, this dude's going off. And he's going off. We're both yelling and stuff like that. But sometimes you need those moments where you got to check in on your friend. You know, I know he misses, he misses us because we're not there anymore. Back in the day, we used to. We would just go to his house and just sit at the house and watch a stand-up special or just talk about stand-up. Or, like, after our sets, we would go over to his house and do the stuff like that. And we don't have those moments anymore. Those moments are, are gone. They're gone. We're in two different scenes. We're doing two different things. But I just want to tell him, yo, I got nothing but love for you, man. I said that to his face. I said, yo, I got nothing but love for you, man. You know, you don't got to blow up because you're upset about something else, you know. And that's, for me, I got I to gotta check in on my friends more, you know. I just check on other people, but I got to check on. I have this thing about me. I don't know what it is. Maybe maybe you guys have it where I feel like something is wrong about someone, and I call and check, and it's just people that I know, or I just have these type of friends where I just wonder, like, are you okay? And I call, I check on them. Or I'll, now I leave voice notes to people. I say, yo, it's Jared Waters. I just want to know and say, yo, I got nothing but love for you. Keep doing your thing, ba da 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 and keep those voice notes so you can have them forever, you know? But uh, yeah, that's what's what's going on. Uh, freak! Oh, there it is. I uh, I got this recorder, so I'm making sure I didn't break it. I dropped it, so I'm I'm making sure that I'm fixing it. 
There it is, making sure I fixed it. Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, that's the podcast, One Man, One Tree in a Hill. These are my thoughts. This is the Woody's Roundup, wrapping up our week. Uh, special guest coming this Tuesday. Uh, and I have, hey, finished the One Tree Hill episodes, and I'll drop it. I'll drop it. Uh, we dropped this on Tuesday, Tuesday. I'll do it. I'll do it Friday. We'll do it Friday. Tuesday, Friday, Sunday. That's what we said. Well, that's the podcast. Oh, did I just burp? Excuse me for river. <laughs> Uh, that's the podcast, One Man, One Tree in a Hill. That is what's going on, happening inside the world. Uh, I'm going to catch you Tuesday and Sunday for the podcast. This episode dropping Tuesday, and I'll catch you next Sunday. Uh, to our producer, Roland Doja, take us out with their theme song, baby. Hey, you're live on the podcast, One Man, One Tree in a Hill. Say what up to the people. Now, this is when I see black excellence. It's Kenan Thompson, and I see this giant butt. I'm like, oh, who is that? Turns out it's Questlove. It's Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock. Eddie Murphy and they're all sitting at the table and I walk up to Eddie Murphy and I was like hey Mr. Murphy I just want to say you're the goat man and you're the coldest that ever walked the face of the earth you gotta break that thing over she wants it private but y'all not even together right now so we haven't spoken about anything but the cat for at two least months. two months and then I said and I said uh uh-uh, uh and I'm be the next Jamar Neighbors and she was up like I know that's right <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the podcast. My name is Jerry Waters, and I'll catch you next time. Like, subscribe, rate the podcast. Have a wonderful night, wonderful day, whatever you're listening to. I'll see you soon.